News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And a reminder, you want to listen all this week for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Subway ACC Championship game, December 4th at Bank of America Stadium. I'm not the only one giving away a pair of tickets here, by the way. I'm not the only one. You don't just have to listen to my program for a chance to win. I will tell you, though, that if you are the, say, fourth caller right now, you will win the pair of tickets. Be the fourth caller right now. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. If you would like to go see the ACC Championship game Saturday, December 4th at Bank of America Stadium, this is your chance to go to the Subway ACC Championship game. Fourth caller gets the tickets. And by the way, we'll give away another pair later on in the program. So stay tuned for that. Um, all righty, back to the uh, audio here from Ernest Winston, the superintendent for Charlotte-Mecklenburg Schools. He sat down with WBT News's Brett Jensen. In, in that last clip that I played before, well, heck, let me re-rack it. I'll re-rack it and we can take a listen again. Um, he is asked if he understands uh, why the appearance and the money paid to Ibram X. Kendi, the you know, uh, author of the anti-racism ideology, the the author of the books, um, does he realize, does Ernest Winston realize why this was such a controversial decision and thing to do? These are difficult topics. Difficult topics. And it is challenging for everyone to acknowledge why we need to have such conversations. It's important that we continue to provide our staff in Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools with the professional development that they need in order to be able to serve all children well. And so while I understand that the topic is uh, controversial, it can be for some, uh, this is about the work to improve student outcomes. And an important part of that is disrupting the systems that are in place, that have been in place for too long that do not serve all kids well. All right, so here's the thing. He sounds a lot like somebody who wants to tear down the institution, doesn't he? I mean, my goodness, all he has to do is throw in the word voucher and he could be a Republican. (laughs) Um, The topic, by the way, the topic that uh, Ibram X. Kendi promotes, it's only controversial when you guys bring him in to promote it. And no one else. See, that's the problem here. It's not a matter of Ibram X. Kendi getting a platform to speak. It's that you guys elevate him alone. Did you bring somebody in to speak against his stupidity? By the way, have you ever noticed Kendi never debates anyone? Why is that? Why do you think that might be? Do you think maybe, I don't know, you... You bring in John McWhorter or Glenn Lowry? No? Not going to bring in Christopher Rufo? You're not going to bring him in, I'm sure. James Lindsay? Peter Bogosian? Uh, Brett Weinstein? Heather Heyer? Um, no, you're not going to bring them in to talk about this stuff. Barry Weiss? 
you only brought in the one person that espouses the view that you agree with. But you're telling me that there isn't a viewpoint being advanced here? You spent you had your administrators and principals spend a year reading Kendi's book. A year. A whole year to read a book and study it, go over it, really incorporate the lessons into their lives. But you're not doing any of this stuff. It, but I also can't help but notice you speak in the language of CRT. When you hear people on the left talking about the work, this is what they're talking about. He keeps saying this, the work. And he talks about disrupting the system. This is critical race theory stuff. So when you say it's not being taught, how did you learn these words? How did you as a superintendent who comes from a journalism background, how did you come up with these uh, addition, uh, additions to your vocabulary? How did that happen? I'm curious. Like, what, What's the origin story? Somebody giving you this stuff to say and you're just saying it? Or is this stuff that you've come up with on your own? Or... Did you hear this stuff in a classroom someplace or a training seminar? I don't know. Brett Jensen then brings up um, an appearance at CMS. I have not heard this by James Ford. I do know who James Ford is. He's a member of the state school board. And uh, as Jensen uh, uh, correctly identified him, he is a leading proponent at the state level of the critical race theory. And, and Ford was doing this, the, the whole fight over the civics and social studies standards that we had in this state that uh, uh, that catapulted the lieutenant governor sort of to the, the front of this fight. Ford was on the other side of that argument. I, I, I listened to several of the school board meetings at the state level, and those things go multiple days. And Ford was the guy who was leading this effort to get the rewrite done of these standards. Meanwhile, denying that any critical race theory is any way, shape or form involved in any of these things, even though he too is speaking in the very same language. Okay. So Jensen then asks him, um, Oh, about James Ford. This is yeah. Number four clip. Number four. Here we go. Why well, feel the need to have people promote and defend CRT when you're not teaching CRT, which is a great question, by the way, this is a great question, right? Adam, why do you bring in people that promote and defend this very thing that you say is not being taught? Why would you bring people in that are obviously associated with this ideology? Why are you doing that? If you, I mean, Like, just from a PR standpoint, right? Just from a PR standpoint, if you know you're getting attacked for teaching something you don't teach, why would you go out and find people that are the proponents for this stuff and bring them in to talk to the district? It seems counterproductive at best. No? So it's a great question. What does he say in reply? You know, it's important to bring in speakers with a variety of viewpoints. Our classrooms do it all the time. Um, When our uh, teachers are talking about uh, elections, and you know, they will bring in multiple uh, viewpoints. This is, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not about a lesson because you've told us critical race theory is not being taught in the classroom. You just said that. So if it's not being taught in the classroom, why are you bringing in somebody who promotes these concepts? Why are you doing that? And his answer is, well, sometimes we do that. 
How many anti-CRT people has CMS ever brought in? Is that part of the lesson plan, too? Do you do anything like that? Do you? I just ran down a whole list of people's names, and there are, and there are tons more. Right? Hugh Coleman, I think, is another one. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. He's got a letter for a name, too. I'll find it during the break. But the there are people that have been fighting this fight against CRT and against these concepts, against this neo-Marxist strain that came out of Harvard and critical legal studies. They've been fighting this for a very long time. Do you bring those people in to give trainings to your teachers? No. Is it just Kendi? And why is that? Why does Kendi get the $25,000 hit and not Glenn Lowry? Glenn Lowry, who is like an award-winning economist, actually has intellectual heft, unlike Kendi. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. WBT's Brett Jensen asks the superintendent of Charlotte-Mecklenburg Schools, why bring in these people to talk about critical race theory-adjacent ideologies, I will call them. Um, why are you bringing these people in if you're not teaching it in the school? It's a great question. Why promote CRT if you're not teaching it? And Winston, Ernest Winston's response is that teachers bring in multiple viewpoints, like they do during elections. You know, they'll bring in Republicans and Democrats. Oh, do they do that always? Is that the case? Okay. Who's the anti-CRT people being brought in to give counterweight? Are you doing a book club with, like, John McWhorter's latest book, Ripping Apart Critical Race Theory, and people like Ibram X. Kendi? Now, I understand Kendi doesn't debate people. Kendi refuses to share a stage with somebody who challenges him. That's why you got Sonia Gant asking him these questions that are all softballs like, oh, my gosh, it's such a fantastic book. I've got the audio, by the way. Yeah, I've, I watched the, the, uh, the video. I recorded it. I have cop- I've got a copy of it. I've got the audio. I also have Kendi's appearances at the Teachers Union, a big conference, their convention, the AFT, American Federation for Teachers. I've also got some of his clips from the Aspen Institute. The guy does not debate people. He doesn't do it. He only takes softball questions from moderators and maybe every now and again a question from the audience. And when you hear what happens, when he gets a question from the audience, it becomes very apparent why he doesn't even like to take those. So the superintendent is asked, why do you bring these people in if you're not promoting CRT? Why are you bringing them in? He, he says then it's important to disrupt systems, which I find to be hilarious because he's the leader of the second largest system in the state, right? And you ever notice that the people, when they talk about disrupting the systems, they're also the biggest defenders of the status quo system. Why is that? What's going on there? Did you know CMS was really racisty when you went to work for it? Did you know that? <laughs> Just It seems like, yeah, I mean, right. It seems like that goes back to Brett's first question to him, which was, what, was this a problem when you took the job? Why would you take the job? Like, to me, if you're being honest in this really challenging conversation, like you would say, yes, I believe that there are all these vestiges of racism, to use the court term at the time. Um, 
that you wanted to make a difference, right? That's what you were going to do. You came in and you're going to try to make CMS less racisty. Why not go that route? But no, no, no. Instead, you're going to pretend that you're not doing the thing that you're doing. Do you realize that you're doing the thing you're doing? Do you realize you're bringing in people who are doing this thing that you claim is not happening? At some point, I have to, I've got to stop thinking that you're just ignorant about this stuff, right? At some point, now I come to the conclusion that you're lying about it. Now, I'm not sure which it is right now. Like, at this point, I'm, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that you don't understand, <laughs> which isn't really much of a benefit of the doubt. But honestly, like, if I had, well, if I had to put money on it, I would probably put money on you lying about it. I think you do know what's going on. I think you do understand that you're cloaking your language and you are corrupting the vocabulary in, in pursuit of, a, of an agenda. I do get that sense. All right, let me go back to the, uh, the clip here. Uh, to the conversation. So they will bring in Republicans. They will bring in Demo- Democrats. They will bring in Republicans and uh, independents to be able to talk to an issue. And so while we may not agree with every speaker, uh, that we have here in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools, I think the central theme around disrupting systems and taking a systems approach to the work that we're doing in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools, I think that's important. And I rarely agree with 100% of anything that anyone says. My wife and I, we don't always that's agree, not- Brett. And so I think it's... See, that, and, and that... That's also a dishonest argument to make. That nobody's saying that you have to agree with everything anybody says that comes to speak. But when you pay somebody $25,000 and you promote their book and bring that person in then to talk about the book that you've spent a year studying with your senior leadership and the principal class in CMS, it seems to me like you want them to get something out of this training, Right. It's part of the trainings. It's important to make that acknowledgement up front, but that does not mean that everyone does not have something constructive and productive that we to be able to share with our staff. Again, have you brought in anybody to argue against these concepts? Next up, Jensen asks him, well, do you personally, superintendent, but as a just a person, do you believe in CRT? Brett, my personal views are irrelevant. Well, not when you're leading 137,000 students, they're not. What I, what I will share and what I've said many times before is that we do not teach critical race theory in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools, period. Is that not, though, the culturally relevant teaching, not an offshoot of CRT with the social justice homeroom? Is it not rooted in the same situation where you, you guys didn't even have Mark Robinson listed? I think people uh, who have a a certain perspective will try uh, to get uh, a particular angle uh, or issue to to fit their viewpoint. But as I've said many times before, we do not teach critical race theory in Charlotte Mecklenburg School. Again, so what he's doing is using the Weasley words, we do not teach critical race theory. Because that's the college-level class, and we don't teach the college-level class. Oh, 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 you're such a buffoon. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't even know what it means, critical race theory. This is what he's doing. Yet when you read the critical race theory people, and you read Kimberly Crenshaw, 
and you read Ibram X. Kendi, and you read Robin D'Angelo. When you read them, you know what they talk about? Critical race theory. And they talk about anti-racism, and they talk about how that original work informs their work now. And also, CRT is a pedagogy. It's a method. It's a practice. It's a praxis. It's not critical legal studies that they're teaching. It's the framework that all things get taught through. So Frederick Hess, writing at the American Enterprise Institute, gives us a definition of critical race theory. He says it's a narrow scholarly approach to addressing legal, social, and economic arrangements. In theory, that's what it is. Now, in practice, it has come to serve as a shorthand label for an array of racially charged educational policies and practices. Right now, this is... Part of the problem for a lot of folks that have been promoting this stuff is that now that it's sort of out in the open, they're having a very difficult time defending it. Criticalrace.org, the website, says CRT is not the traditional civil rights movement which sought to provide equal opportunity and dignity without regard to race. Rather, critical race theory and the training to implement it. So you always got to remember about CRT. This is the, well... The Mott and Bailey, which is the easily defendable position versus the impossible to defend position. And so CRT proponents, the left, usually uh, postmodernist, they come down and they say, oh, out here in the Bailey, we've you know going to make an assertion. It's very difficult to defend it. And as soon as they start getting attacked for that position, they retreat to the Mott. They go back to the, the fortress, a very easily defended position. So, for example, when they say all whites are racist or whiteness equals racism, That's a very difficult to defend position. They get attacked for it. They then retreat back to, we just want to teach the real history. And the critics say, oh, well, we agree with that. And then they abandon the attack. They leave. And then the the POMOs, the uh, the postmodernists, they rush back down to the Bailey. And they're like, whiteness is racism. And they start saying all that again. So that's the cycle we are in. And the more people have become exposed to this through their workplace training sessions or through their kids' school that they got a firsthand glimpse of during the pandemic, people realize, like, oh, this is just straight-up racism, guys. And it is, by the way. It is. So over at Legal Insurrection, they, uh, they've been uh, fighting this fight for several years, actually, and so they got this website, criticalrace.org, and they say that it's, um, it is not... To provide, equal oppor- to provide equal opportunity and dignity without regard to race. That was the civil rights movement. And to CRT people or crits, this is not the approach they want to take. Critical race theory and the training to implement it is a radical ideology. It focuses on race as the key to understanding society, and it objectifies people based on race. This is why, this is why it's called racist, because... It looks at your race and says that's the thing that dictates virtually all things, unless you've got some other types of oppressive class characteristics that intersect, which came from Kimberly Crenshaw, a critical race theorist. An outgrowth of the European Marxist school of critical theory, critical race theory is an academic movement that seeks to link racism, race, and power. Remember this? 
years ago, you would hear, well, uh, only whites can be racist because they have the power, right? That racist uh, or people could not be racist unless they had power. This became embedded in this definition. And we laughed like, oh, my gosh, look at them trying to corrupt the language. Oh, yeah, well, they've been successful. Well, I mean, you gave them a couple generations of kids. What do you think was going to happen? Unlike the civil rights movement, which sought to work within the structures of American democracy, critical race theorists challenged the very foundations of the liberal order, such as rationalism, constitutional law, legal reasoning. Critical race theorists argue that American social life, political structures, and economic systems are founded upon race, which in their view is a social construct. So it's, it's not real, it's a social construct, but it's only there to give white people power. And that forms all views. Everything is viewed through the prism of race. This is what Winston is talking about when he's talking about disrupting the system. This is what he's getting at. Whether he knows it or not, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me whether he knows it or not. He's using that language, and he's allowing people to come in that are advancing this ideology. So it doesn't matter to me if he's ignorant or he is an enabler. Systemic racism in the eyes of the critical race theorists stems from the dominance of race in American life. Critical race theorists and anti-racist advocates like Kendi argue that because race is a predominant part of American life, racism itself has become internalized into the American conscience. It is because of this, they argue, that there have been significantly different legal and economic outcomes between different racial groups, right? In other words, it's all about race, which is weird because like, if you listen to people on the right, you hear what they talk about as the leading cause for uh, the disparities in wealth. It's government. Isn't that interesting? People on the right say it's the government The great society spending programs of, you know, what, a trillion dollars, whatever it's been since its uh, creation, the destruction of the the black family in America, the rise of uh, uh, single households, single parent households, like all of these, these, uh, these government programs that induced outcomes that if we give people the benefit of the doubt, we'll say they didn't realize they were inducing but folks on the right say that that's the reason why these things are falling apart, why you ha- why you see these disparities. It's the government policy. And lo and behold, we have system disruptors, quote unquote, disruptors, who are part of that government system now telling us what? No, no, no. It's not the government policies that did all of this. It's you white people. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? As if it might help distract us from the government's role in creating some of these problems. What do you think? Got a tweet from Andy who says, Ernest Winston should be fired simply for saying that CMS is just like other school uh, school systems across the U.S. <laughs> yeah. You take that back. We're not like, <laughs> we're not like CMS. Um, so Kendi, Ibram X. Kendi, the guy who came to speak to Charlotte Mecklenburg schools that, um, came up in this interview, uh, his appearance came up in this interview that Brett Jensen had with, 
our superintendent, Ernest Winston. I watched his presentation. I have the recording of it, and um, it there there isn't there isn't anything in there. If you've seen Kendi before, you've seen him basically every time. Okay, um, they did a book book club deal at CMS among all of like the leaders, the principals, and whatever, and they spent a year reading this guy's book, which is like, oh my god, talk about mind numbingly boring. Anyway, a year it took them to do this. Then they brought him in. They paid him twenty five thousand dollars. To have him do a, a Zoom Q&A. And uh, let's see, Sonia Gant, formerly of, uh, I believe formerly, right, of uh, WCNC, Channel 36 or 6 or whatever it is on the cable dial now. I don't know. Um, but the uh, NBC affiliate. And she led this discussion for CMS. Good morning, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. I am delighted to welcome you on behalf of the leadership of Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, uh, which is the 18th largest school district in the country. Um, I share that with you so that you know that we are a large district um, and we have leaders who have really gone uh, very deep into how to be an anti-racist. Um, Your presence with us today culminates a year-long book study, and I must tell you that each month uh, these meetings have generated a great deal of discussion, and our principal leaders and our book facilitator, uh, the facilitators of the book study have made my job extremely easy today because there were quite a few questions uh, that came in once people realized you'd be joining us. So I say all that to say welcome to you. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, does that sound well, like... Thank so- you, Sonia. Yeah. Does that sound I'm like... that we're having this discussion. Does that sound like something like Ernest Winston said? That, oh, they just bring in people with different opinions all the time. Or did that sound like, eh, it's a little bit more with Abram X. Kendi? A little bit more. Like, oh, we're really doing a lot of the work. We're just doing the work. We're gonna we're gonna, you know, be anti-racist. That's us. There was a question. Let me skip ahead here. Do 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 do. Yeah, yeah. Mm, Candy seven. I've got a bunch of sound bites. I apologize. And these are from uh the summertime. Let me see. Here it is. Candy seven. Um He said at one point that it's unfortunate that we are even debating about whether we should teach about racism in a society where racial inequities are rampant. Again, nobody is saying don't teach that racism exists. Nobody is saying that. And again, this is a this is a distracting type of argument, and it is intentional. I have. Several articles right here. I'm gonna. Th- we're gonna. This is not. I, I'm not gonna be able to get to all of the material. I've got probably close to I don't know three inches deep of a stack here. So, Business Insider from about two weeks ago. Democrats plan to swing back aggressively at Republicans on critical race theory claims. Um, also, the day prior to that, the GOP's repugnant midterm strategy requires a tough Democratic response, and they talk about going on offense and saying this is all about an accurate reflection of American history being taught in K-12 schools. That's been the intention. That's been their response to the attacks about CRT. So if it seems like there's been some sort of coordinated messaging on that, you're not crazy. That's why it sounds like this, because it actually was the case. 
Um, here, oh, let me play the soundbite. Right, Kendi Seven. There it is. You know, we heard this morning from our superintendent that there hasn't been buy-in across the entire district about this journey of our school district moving toward an anti-racist organization. And I think that gets to a question that was shared by a principal. How do we, as anti-racist leaders, work with and lead others who are racist and hold racist beliefs and refuse to give up who they are at their core? All righty. So, first off, does this question square with what Winston told Brett Jensen? Do these two things line up? They don't sound like they line up. Because remember, he tells Jensen that, oh, I, you know, we bring in lots of people that I don't agree with. This is just, you know, just some different teachers and some different trainings, and they just bring them in to give everybody, you know, a fuller view of life or whatever. But you hear Sonia Gantz saying that when Winston opened up this event, it's very clear they're trying to be, quote, anti-racist. And anti-racism, according to Kendi, is part of the CRT philosophy. Even though now it's not popular to say so. (laughs) Also, Who are these racists who are working at Charlotte Mecklenburg? You got a principal here who says, what are we supposed to say? Please tell us what to what to say to the racist we work with. To try to to try to move them off of the racism, off of the racisty racism that they obviously hold at their core belief. That's what that's what this principal said. Who is it that's working in CMS that's a racist? This is the problem. Ben Shapiro talked about this years ago. This, this concept of the systemic racism versus identifying the person who's the racist. You show me who the racist is, then I, I, I know who to criticize. I'm like, oh, that guy's a racist, right? Oh, don't want to hire that guy. Oh, you don't want to work with that guy. He's a racist. But if it's just this whole system, it's just this whole building, it's an institution, it's a country. Well, who do I, who do I attack there? Well, Pete, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to tear down the entire institution. (laughs) Which is the point, of course. That is the point. Um, He also had a question. uh, Yeah, I'm not going to have time to get to it. Because it's coming up on 2 o'clock. We've got the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, will be joining us. A couple of big stories out of the state as well. So we will shift gears for the third and final hour. But don't worry. I've been circling back long before Jen Psaki ever got her gig at the White House. So I will circle back probably tomorrow, pick up some more of this Kendi stuff, because all I need to do to show that they're lying is just to play their own words for you. That's all I need to do. But right now I need to uh, go to news. <laughs> 